Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The FDA issues advice on eating cicadas, which has become kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Recipes for eating cicadas. FDA issues advice, so we'll have that coming up. Also, this... Here's, yeah, come on, because you know nothing about clickbait. If these people eat cicadas, they could die. Are you in that group? Stay with us. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and a study, i got to dig into this, because it sounds a little extreme. Study finds two-thirds of workers would pass up $30,000 in a raise if they could keep working from home. Hmm. $30,000 raise or work at home. Two-thirds of people would take the uh, the working at home. Yeah, I think we can presume that people working at home are not doing grunt work. Pardon the uh, the terminology. I hope nobody finds that insulting, but you know what I mean. I did plenty of it. Uh, 30 grand. I'm surprised by that. That's a significant amount of money. Yeah, but working at home yeah. got a lot of benefits. Got its advantages. So a uh, multi-part effort to convince you of a single uh, conclusion, which you probably already share, but much of the recent uh, racial activism is phony. It's racist. It's counterproductive. It will inflame racial hatred and, and, and undo a lot of the progress that's been made in this country. Having said that, racism is real. It's part of every culture on earth. It needs to be resisted, fought against, and anybody denying anybody their constitutional rights is not my friend. And, uh, and, and I believe these things and preach them out of enthusiasm for black America, not out of some white supremacist desire to keep black folks down. Quite the opposite. So a couple of uh, exhibits to that end. Number one, and, and this we're going to ease into it, we're, and we're, we're heading toward just the greatest tape you've ever heard of a, a, a loving dad and his little girl, a black dad and his, his little daughter. That's just so sweet. But first of all, Sean, if you'd be so kind, clip number 32, this is Google's big diversity guy, what he uh, believes, what he said in the past. The head of diversity strategy at Google is apologizing for a comment made 14 years ago that Jews have, quote, an insatiable appetite for war and killing and a, quote, insensitivity to people's suffering. Kamal Bob says his post crudely characterized the entire Jewish community. He says it was intended as a critique of a particular military action. There's been no public response from Google as of yet. So if I might be my own attorney in this. Uh, you might say, well, Joe, 14 years ago, you've decried uh, calling people out for old posts. Number one, he was a grown man. He's the alleged guru of diversity, and he says Jews have an insatiable lust for war and blood. Are you kidding me? So much of this diversity is not diversity. It's power. I want power, and I'm going to call it diversity. There's a leader in the Black Lives Matter chapter in Minnesota who quit after learning the ugly truth about the activist group's priorities. That's a quote. In 2015, I was the founder of Black Lives Matter in St. Paul, said Rashad Turner, who is the current president executive director of Minnesota Parent Union. 
Uh, I believe the I believed the organization stood for exactly what the name implies, that because, of course, black lives do matter. However, after a year on the inside, I learned they had little concern for rebuilding black families, and they cared even less about improving the quality of education for students in Minneapolis, adding it was made clear when they publicly denounced charter schools alongside the teachers' union. And then he goes into the fact that he found out they are, and this was on their website, and Rashad, you probably should have looked at the website, that they're dedicated to deconstructing the nuclear family. And this guy's a big family guy, and a big education guy, and a big lifting kids up through educational choice guy. And he found out that uh, Black Lives Matter was not only neutral on the idea of getting kids into good schools, they were against it. So he quit. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. And finally, I'm squinting because I'm old. Ah, yeah, this is a, a dad and his daughter who appears to be about five years old. Uh, clip number 20, Sean. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow. yellow. Right, Black. and and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is how this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not gonna happen. My baby's gonna know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard, and she can become that. Work hard, even though you don't know anyone, you can make friends. <laughs> Yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. That is a great man right there. Raising his kids the best he can and teaching them that they can concede if they uh, succeed, rather, if they work hard and... And are, are good people. For a lot of the certain crowd, the whole I don't see skin color thing is an evil notion. Oh, yeah, that's like donning a clan's robe and, and hood. Which is weird. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's scary to think these people have seized the moment, have the momentum, and appear to be running roughshod over America, especially our schools, our in, government indoctrination centers. I, I am heartened by the precipitous decline in approval numbers for Black Lives Matter, the organization, as more and more people have figured out, whoa, 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 the idea that black people's lives matter, I'm 100% down with that, but these people have adopted that phrase, but they're Marxists, and they're tearing apart their families, and they're racist? Good Lord! More and more people are realizing that. Thank goodness. By the way, on critical race theory, which uh, you know is coming to a school near you, uh, you if you're, and you should be paying attention, um, uh, James Lindsay, who's one of the greatest battlers of critical race theory in America, was pointing out, he, he went through a bunch of different examples where schools have adopted this, and if you dug into it at all, it might be two parents or two instructors or whatever that wanted this and got it into the school and everybody was just afraid to say anything about it or weren't paying attention. It's, it's not usually, um, uh, you know, a, a majority thing. It's not a, boy, this is what everybody wants and this is what we've got. It's very few activists pushing this into your schools. So you need to, as he said, you know, pay attention to it and organize on your side because there's probably a lot more of you that don't want it. Right. If but, you're paying attention. 
Yeah, but the, the weapons wielded by those who do want it are scary to people. We're going to call you a racist oh, yeah. in front of your friends, your family, the school board, and the school board's going to go along with it, and the principal is he's going to agree publicly because he's terrified, too. I feel like the term racist is is losing its power, that it's not near as powerful as it was five years ago when you were just doomed if somebody threw that word at you. Right, be- because generally speaking, nobody would be called a racist unless they were, let me think now, a racist. Right, and uh, I think it's been overused so much that it's lost some of its power, but it's still I very powerful. So. It's still very powerful. A lot of a lot of companies, you know, are going to immediately let you go if somebody thinks you're a racist, whether it makes sense or not, because that yeah, word is so dangerous. Cowardice and caution, um, yeah. The other part of it that I just find interesting, so you've got the, the, the Marxists and the actual racists who want to uh, do this stuff, and then you have these organizations who are just grifters, you know, the grifters that get attached to these things. Oh, yeah. And I, I just know from our own experience, we got into uh, the Tea Party early on when it was, you know, a growing movement across the country. And it was born out of not racism, as a lot of people claim. Including um, Barack Obama recently in some book. He said there are a bunch of racist MFers. We went to a bunch of different Tea Party meetings and nothing about race ever came up. It was about the bailout and how much money was being spent, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway... Um, as it grew and got more popular, we went to an event where there were people, and some of them were people I like, who were clearly just grifting. They, at that point, had abandoned any interest in trying to accomplish anything politically and were just trying to cash in on a movement by getting speaking fees and traveling around the country and that sort of thing. Sure, sending and, out emails to a giant list saying just to pledge 10 or 15 or $20 and we can defeat these damned liberals, and they're getting rich. And that just happens no matter what the group is. I mean, if there's if there's money being thrown around, there are grifters that show up. And it happened with the Tea Party, and it happened with Black Lives Matter, and it happened with the Lincoln Project and uh, the anti-Trump movement and all kinds of people that they're not trying to do what's right. They're just trying to get rich. They don't give a crap about your cause that you care so much about. So true. Especially during the Internet age, when it's so easy to convert energy into cash. If there's energy, there, there are people who want to express it. They want to do something. They want to prove that they want to change something. And you say, oh, we absolutely can change it. Just give $25. And people, it's like the GoFundMe thing. Some guy gets kicked by a mule in Iowa. All of a sudden, he's got a GoFundMe page. He's got $150,000. <laughs> <laughs> he's limping around, but now he's rich. Why am I sending Go money figure. <laughs> to the GoFundMe for the guy who got kicked by a mule? I don't know if you, there's you video to... of it, and he's limping around. Oh, my leg. <laughs> you, there needs to be a hook. There, I, I'm not, I'm not That's feeling, not a good enough hook? I'm not feeling the compulsion to give him money. Was How the about... was, was, the, the, was well, the mule pro-Trump or something? I mean, there needs to be another hook. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got a, uh, he's got a, a, a little daughter. Oh, uh, who, 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 who's one leg is shorter than the other or something. Then, <laughs> oh, and now he can't work to support her. Oh, just, it, just a single little sob element to it. One or anger. Is, one leg is shorter than the other. Well, I didn't want to it's, say an actual tragedy. It's called and, Eileen syndrome. Oh, boy. Uh, I didn't want to seem like I was making light of, you know, folks with special needs. But yeah, if there's any sort of sob story uh, involved at all, yeah, people send them piles of money. Same with political activism. So yeah, it's, it just, it, so isn't there an old saying about that? There is. There absolutely is. Damned if you do, damned if you don't? No, that's not it. It's uh, It has to do with... Burning uh, the candle at both ends. No, stop it. Don't eat a half hour of the swimming. 
don't eat cicadas. If you're allergic to, stay with us. Um, no, it's every legitimate, legitimate movement turns into a job, which turns into a grift. Uh, Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I want you to react on the text line and we'll look into the study a little more. Would you pass up a $30,000 raise to get to continue working at home? A study says two thirds of people say yes. So our text line is 415-295-KFTC. The USA Today with this story. We're 50 days away from the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, and all the indicators are bad. We'll have some of the details coming up on that. And then the Winter Olympics. I'm sorry, summer or winter? I guess it's winter in in uh, in, in, in Tokyo. In, in, in summer in Tokyo, it's the Summer Olympics. We, we're not. We're having you know a, how you know it's during the summer. That's that's one of the indicators. <laughs> Um, what an idiot. <laughs> but then the next year is in the, the communist China where they have slaves and prison camps. Yeah, and that's right after the first of the year. So it's not that far off, and there's just no way. And I had kind of felt like Olymp- the Olympics had jumped the shark a bit anyway for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, it just wasn't what it used to be if you're, if you're older. Uh, whether it's the pro athletes or the way they, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. Um, well, there are 20 sports on TV every single day. That's part of it. That's part of it. The, when, when you started getting the results before you watched them, that changed the Olympics, you know, pre-internet. You, you tuned in at night and you watched. You didn't know if the, if the United States was going to win or not. But now you know everything before it happens. There's yeah. just lots of things that I think have dulled the, the luster of the Olympics. A lot of cheating. Uh, you know, a lot of the favorite things you saw turned out to be uh, cheating. So, heck, child molestation among the the coaches oh, and, yeah, and geez, medical guys, out? and uh, right, yeah. How do you leave that out from the the gymnastics and everything like that? Our our vaunted wonderful women's gymnastics program was full of pedophiles, and the organization covering up for the pedophiles. Right. Likewise, swimming, and there's an aspect of that in some soccer, wasn't there? Anyway. While I'm on the story, I guess, since uh, I was just going to tease this, we'll do it. The Olympics continues to lag in Japan with only 50 to 80% of the population saying the games should go on. Oh, I'm sorry. They're saying the games should not open. So depending on how you ask the question, it's it's between half and 80% of Japanese people say, no, we shouldn't have the Olympics. Wow. So the best survey has half the country not wanting it to happen. 80% in some of the other surveys. So that's a problem. And then yesterday, 10,000 of the 80,000 unpaid volunteers for the Tokyo Olympics told organizers they're not going to do it. They've changed their mind. So an eighth of their helpers have said, nah, I don't think I'm going to do it. Yikes. But there's a bunch of different reasons why. Part of it is their vaccination rate. Only 2 to 3% of Japan's general population has been fully vaccinated. 2%. Wow. Wow. They haven't had nearly as bad a COVID experience as the rest of and us. And they don't want to by having the whole world show up in a country where only 2% of people have been vaccinated. Sure, sure. Well, my understanding is it's just coaches and athletes and various, uh, you know, potentates and not fans, but nonetheless, I see their point. I mean, experience would suggest it's just a matter of time before they get whapped. Oh, the other part of the Olympics that we, we've talked about many times is. It happened too many times in a row 
where cities decided when the Olympics were over and all the pageantry was gone that that wasn't a good deal for us. That was not, that didn't turn out to be a good deal. We spent gazillions of dollars. We did not get that back. And now we got, you know, we got a world class uh, gymnasium. Great. <laughs> well, who cares? Yeah. We're this yeah. many billion dollars in debt. It just doesn't, it's not the, it doesn't turn out to be the, the financial uh, uplift you were hoping for. Yeah, and I'm reminded of the Russian doping scandal, plus the the Putin graft thing, where there was all sorts of organized crime involved, and just a, a few more dings on the finish of the Olympics. Yeah. So uh, on this, how much time have I got, Michael? I got a minute. Yeah. Um, they need to make the events better, like combine some, like uh, pole vaulting and boxing. So you're not pole vaulting over a pole. You're pole vaulting into like a, a courtyard where you got to fight your way out again. So you want a you little know? more fear factor? Uh, American Ninja Warrior. A little more American Ninja Warrior, a little yeah. more the floor is lava. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think more random fans, as we've talked about before, participating in the events. Just so Bring we can appreciate. Yeah, exactly. So we can appreciate how great the athletes yeah. are. That's that's a good way to put and it. And make it compulsory. See, I, you can't how, say no. How would you not watch if they picked a random fan to try to throw the shot put or something? <laughs> that's a good example. They barely get it out of the circle. I dropped it on his foot. <laughs> you just call your seat number. Or the javelin. More javelin Duck. catching. That's what there needs to be. The stands for the ski jump would be empty. Oh, yeah. Winter Olympics, the downhill, you pick an average fan. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Don't let the oh, children boy. watch. Oh, going to be a lot of things pointing the wrong direction. Oh, boy. That's gross. How much money would keep you from going back to work? Stay tuned. Oh, and the cicada thing. Armstrong and Getty. Wow, so wow, that's... just let the backup singers sing. They sounded fine. So that's the lead singer for Motley Crue uh, screeching out some of their hits and then saying at one point, you know, I, I, got, I ain't got a voice, so <laughs> next, see you next time and uh, bye, everybody. Uh, well, hard to imagine why you would come next time, but uh, <laughs> are you finding your voice in the, in the meantime? You or? know what's funny about that is you could find all kinds of, of, of cover band, bar band singers that would be happier in hell to sit in front of that band and do those songs. Song's fine, absolutely fine. Or you know. put them backstage. <laughs> you know, have them double everything. <laughs> That's hilarious. I just I can't sing anymore. So screw it. So see you next time. I come back and fail to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. So a study found that two thirds of workers would pass up thirty thousand dollars in a raise if they could keep working at home. 
This is being um, uh, this is on CBS eight San Diego. Uh, it's a sketchy survey, a recent survey from a networking site blind. I don't know what that is. And they didn't disclose who they surveyed because based on our text feed. Wait a minute. I threw out the question on the text. Is blind some sort of home office distribution? <laughs> you know, we, we've fallen for this so many times over the years. Marshall, our old news guy, used to do this all the time. <laughs> You know, it would be a study that... Uh, Seatbelts.com says yeah. something, something. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, discount socks USA is that 80% of people want to buy more socks. Coffee oh. growers of America have a survey that say that men that drink two cups of coffee a day are more appealing to women. Oh, how about and have that? bigger I mean, penises. Oh, well, I'll order three. <laughs> so it might be one of those deals because... Pretty much every text we're getting is saying, no, I wouldn't pass up a $30,000 raise to get to keep working. Depends on how much you're already making. If you're making $30,000 and you're doubling it, no, of probably course. not. But if, if you make a million dollars, you'd say, yeah. No, I'll stay, I'll stay in my mansion, please. Um, Stupid survey. But we also got this text, and this is probably somebody who lives like in, you know, in Los Angeles or San Francisco Bay or wherever. Uh, car, gas, parking, clothes, restaurants. Working out of home could easily cost you $30,000 a year. Yeah, so depending on your job and, wh- and what your commute is and everything like that, absolutely. It might be just a financial uh, a break, not just a, I like the lifestyle. Right, right, yeah, indeed. So uh, don't eat cicadas if you're allergic to seafood. According to the FDA, who would never lie to us, uh, these insects share a family relationship to shrimp and lobsters. Uh, from the Center of Positive Sean Studies, just don't eat cicadas. <laughs> don't eat bugs. Don't That's worry. my rule of thumb. If you're allergic to shellfish, just don't pick up a bug off the street and eat it. You'll be fine. <laughs> Stop yeah, eating bugs, a, people. It's a pretty good policy. We're a first world country. We're not an asshole country. Oh, easy there. Easy. Oh, that's unkind right there. Yeah, yeah. I remember when the cicadas came around when I was a kid. I, uh, I heard about people eating them. I said, you go ahead. You, you fill your belly. Have you eaten bugs? I think I may have had chocolate-covered ants, but that hardly counts. I mean, what's an ant? There's no mass to an ant. Yeah, but it's not like a cicada. I mean, a a cicada to an ant is like an elephant to a mouse. I've had ants, crickets, grasshoppers. I think that's it. What are you, a lizard or something? What are you eating bugs for? Ah, It's in Mexico. I was in Mexico, too, and I I didn't eat insects. I was a little drunk. (laughs) Oh, I see. No, I didn't know I was eating bugs. I just ordered some sort of platter. I don't speak Spanish. And um, and then somebody told me later that it was a plate full of uh, fried bugs. I do think it is worth noting that the the luxury seafood, your crab, your lobster, that's just sea bugs. Yeah. You guys it can is pretty bug like. Yeah, you guys can take down your your, your mm. condescension a little bit. It's okay. a little buggy. A lobster's pretty buggy. To to quote, well, obviously they're enormous bugs, but to quote uh, John Travolta in uh, in uh, Pulp Fiction, tastes good. <laughs> Shrimps taste good. Uh, back to the study on would you pass up a thirty thousand dollar raise if you could keep working at home? I don't. I don't have a normal job, so I don't have any concept of this. So it's hard for me to uh, to understand what it's like working at home. Like I I prefer being at work. I just I get in a work mindset at work. And I, I can't at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people can. Some people can't. I've talked to many people over the years who said they just can't work at home. And, and I've talked to people who prefer it. But um, 
Somebody texted, I'll buy a new tuxedo t-shirt and matching Crocs and wear it every day for $30,000 a year. <laughs> An extra $30,000 a year. A tuxedo t-shirt and matching Crocs. You take the raise, you show up to work wearing that every day, and they send you home anyways. <laughs> Boom. Win-win. Right. You know, I uh, I saw a headline in the Washington Post this morning. I didn't read the article, but it said, like it or not, Crocs are back. So apparently they are. When did they know. leave? I don't know. Congratulations, or I'm sorry. I, I uh, however this I'm, affects you. <laughs> I'm still uncrocked. I don't. I've, I've never put on a crock. I saw a guy last night in Crocs. I, you know, I've heard so many jokes that I now I feel like I associate with the jokes. Like I don't know that I originally, when I saw a guy in Crocs, I would think that's kind of sad. But now, <laughs> now that the the kind of the meme of it is 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 that sad? You know, the holes are there for your dignity to drain out. That sort of thing. I'm remind, reminded of former producer Scott's uh, dad, who was a terrific guy. Uh, what was that he used to say? I see a man in short sleeves and a tie. I see a man who's given up. A man on his way down. <laughs> on a, that's that was it. A man on his way down. <laughs> That means either, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> so coming up at the risk of, uh, of of boring, probably not boring because it's so good. Uh, those of you who listen to every single second of every single show, whether live or via podcast, we appreciate that very much. But I want to share with you uh, some of the words of Mitch Daniels at a Purdue commencement ceremony that we featured yesterday late in the show. They are so great. Mm-hmm. They're just, I, I don't want anybody to miss it. It is really good, and it's amazing to me that I've not heard it anywhere else but here. Plus, a mayor who actually spent a couple of weeks homeless to see what was really going on in his region. Love the and sound what of that. he figured out, just so revealing. Hour three, we've got to get to the meme economy on display with AMC stock. You actually, if you're going to be an investor, you need to start learning. I need to start learning how the whole meme economy works on how if things catch on as kind of a joke, they turn into real money. And if you ride the joke correctly, you can actually, you know, make money that way. I don't know that I have the time. But aren't we the perfect people for this sort of thing? Theoretically, yeah. I should be better at kind of gauging when something becomes funny and then when it's played than a lot of other economic stats that I'm not good at figuring out. I'll grant you that. So, uh, yeah, I might get into the meme economy with uh, Sean as my uh, mentor. (laughs) A meme Sherpa. Exactly. (laughs) And we've got all that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sean first used the term meme economy, I don't know, several months back, and I just thought it was kind of a clever, you know, that's that's, that's fine. I didn't realize it was actually a thing. There is a meme economy that you can jump into and take advantage of and make real money off of if you understand the way memes work. We'll talk about that with the AMC stock coming up in Hour 3. And... Mayor goes undercover as a homeless guy, and what he learns is just so revealing. It's going to be a blockbuster hour three, so stay tuned. This is the best commentary on the bad leadership so many of us have seen during the COVID thing. Mitch Daniels, who was a former uh, governor of Indiana, 
He's the president of Purdue University currently. There are a number of people who, who try to badger him into running for president every time it's the election cycle. But I'm just going to quote from his commencement address. An ability to comprehend and work with complex facts and data has always been part of a Purdue education, at least since the industrial age that's been an essential tool for a useful life of the kind at which boilermakers excel. So a little school boosterism there, but that's fine. But that's never been nearly so true as today. Massive amounts of information are being collected intentionally by us and silently by the machines we invent and use in daily life. Interpreting its meaning and discovering patterns within it is perhaps the most important skill in the economy of 2021. And then he points out that data analysis is a big part of uh, the, the Purdue education. He says, you'll leave the stadium able to evaluate statistics and whether they are significant or meaningless. You'll know better than to confuse correlation with causation. You'll look at decisions critically and holistically, understanding that any objective pursued too far eventually yields diminishing returns not worth their cost. That, just as medicines have side effects, almost all actions produce collateral consequences, often collateral damage which we've often said is the good analysis of public policy, which I think the right engages in more than the left, is, all right, what will this cause? What will be the unforeseen consequences? <clears throat> Getting back to the, the speech. It doesn't stretch uh, a point to say that we wouldn't be meeting here today without those skills. Keeping Purdue open last fall, I think it's worth pausing, he kept Purdue yeah. open. That hmm. uh, must be a lot of dead college students stacked around the campus oh there was nobody to get diplomas because everybody died nope everybody's fine anyway keeping purdue open last fall so that you could stay on schedule and graduate today required the daily examination of covid19 infection rates and patterns of its spread on and around campus prior to that the decision to reopen it all involved a reading of the available data which showed that people your age were at far less risk from the virus than from a host of other dangers How interesting. Now we're really getting into the part that is an indictment of the terrible, terrible leadership of the Gavins, Newsom, and the the, the Cuomos and Gretchen Whitmers of the world. Uh, Starting soon, the decisions will be yours to make. In business, you start or join in causes in which you feel called to enlist, or the most important of all organizations, the families I hope you will form. Wherever they are, the very essence of your coming leadership roles will lie in making hard choices. After weighing all the options, the competing priorities, and the uncertainties that even the biggest databases cannot totally eliminate, others will look to you to choose. The risk of failure, of a hit to one's reputation, or just that the gains don't outweigh the costs, all these can deter or even paralyze a person out of fulfilling the responsibility someone has entrusted to them. Should I make this investment or husband my cash? Take that job offer or stay where I'm comfortable? Engage in this debate or sit silently? Choose this life partner or play it safe? This last year, many of your elders failed this fundamental test of leadership. They let their understandable human fear of uncertainty overcome their duty to balance all the interests for which they were responsible. They hid behind the advice of experts in one field, but ignored the warnings of experts in other realms that they might do harm beyond the good they hoped to accomplish. Sometimes they let what might be termed the mad pursuit of zero, in this case, zero risk of anyone contracting the virus, block out other competing concerns, like the protection of mental health, the education needs of small children, or the survival of small businesses. Pers- here's, here is the, the part that gets chiseled into stone. 
And it's posted at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links. So send it to your friends. Listen to this now. Pursuing one goal to the utter exclusion of all others is not to make a choice, but to run from it. It's not leadership. It's abdication. I feel confident your preparation here won't let you fall prey to it. That is so good. Pretending there's only one concern is an act of cowardice. It's, it's, it's fleeing from the need to balance the complexity of, of what the pandemic wrought. It's cowardice, Gavin Newsom, to just hide behind your public health person and ignore the, the suicide race just skyrocketing among kids. Ignore all the businesses being crushed, all the people out of business. The fact that the little kids ought to be in school. But your teachers unions who own you told you, don't let, oh, no, 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 we have leverage. We're going to make money and get power off the souls of the little kids. And you went ahead and you went along with it. So uh, there's a guy that um, a lot of Republicans would like to see in office, but he just doesn't. He's not the kind of person that could get the nomination and win. No, he's not terribly exciting or charismatic. And he doesn't look like a president. Yeah, he's kind of a balding, kind of every Short, man. you have to be tall to be president for some right. reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George is... Will has been talking him up as his favorite presidential candidate for years. And uh, Mitch Daniels never ran and is now retired from politics. So. Yeah. You know, there's here's one more sentence you might like, a couple of sentences. Great societies before us tended to look backward for their inspiration to locate their golden ages in the past. Here our eyes have always been forward. Now signs abound of Americans losing that eagerness to move ahead boldly. Yeah. The spirit he talks about the spirit of adventure, the willingness to take considered risks. He's so right. God, we're a safety society. We're a cocoon. We're a nation of veal calves. A phrase I coined like 15 years ago that I've kind of let uh, go. Maybe I'll dust that off. So here's some bad news for flyers who are drinkers. Yet another airline pulls back on the booze on planes. I didn't know this was a thing. Mm-hmm. United has joined Southwest and American in, in suspending alcohol service. Um over unruly passengers. A third line has opted on the curtail alcohol bandwagon. After a slew of increasingly aggressive in-flight incidents, many related to unruly passengers balking at having to wear face masks. Yeah, it's almost all like mask stuff that this, people are getting crazy over. This has been my least favorite thing since I was a little child, and I didn't even understand what was going on, but I've always hated this. So because those two freaking idiots uh, did this with the paints, we're not allowed to use the paints now? What kind of a rule is that? How about right. you punish the people who did something wrong and let the rest of us do what we want? But um, so that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I am a flyer, and I am a drinker, but I almost never drink on airplanes because I almost always have to drive myself where I'm going after I get off the airplane. So, Yeah, but if you're going on a vacation... Oh, yeah. The idea that you can't have a drink as a grown-up on a plane seems ridiculous. Right. Right. Isn't that in the Constitution, be- be- the right to get your drink on? Because uh, w- because one in a... I mean, what would the numbers be on that? Because one in... I was about to say a million, but it wouldn't even be close to that. Because one in 50 million passengers cause some sort of disturbance you might be able to relate to the drinking? Yeah. I that otherwise if- wouldn't have happened? I'm not even sure it'd be one in 50 million. 
I think I read that the flight attendants unions are going crazy over this because it's gotten nutty and dangerous for them. Because I can't believe the airlines would want to pass up the revenue. Five dollar beers? I've bought beer. I know what it costs. It ain't five bucks each. Well, I don't drink anymore, so it doesn't have any effect on me. But... Yeah, but you're standing up for other people's freedom, Jack, and that's why you're my hero. No, I just, I just don't like uh, zero tolerance policies based on a couple of bad apples. That affects everybody. I've always hated that. Right. Right. One of the other things we hate are public policies that ignore the way human beings actually behave. They're, they seem reasonable in a classroom when all that's dealt with is theory. But when you get among actual homo sapiens, and if you've ever spent any time among us, it's not pretty. Uh, public policy should reflect reality. And, uh, for instance, uh, San Francisco wants to throw billions more at the homeless problem to help the homeless. But are those policies based on the realities of human beings? I say no. We'll have a couple of examples, a couple of exhibits uh, in that case coming up next hour, hour three. If you can't get it live, grab it via the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com, or wherever podcasts are given away. And we're going to talk about AMC stock, which went up a ton yesterday, and just how it relates to the whole meme economy thing. That is, if a bunch of people think a stock going up would be funny, it goes up because they invest in it. And that going up is real, and you could invest in it, and if you cash out before the joke gets old, you've made real money. Even though it's it's not based on the old levers that people used to talk about, because, well, the business, you know, more people are doing this, and they're being right. more efficient. And, earnings yeah, no, no, it's not about that. It's about what's funny and what's not. What would be a funny stock to make go up? Movie theaters would be funny. So a bunch of Redditors got on it and drove up AMC stock, what, 100% yesterday? Hey, uh, executive producer Hanson, during the commercials, why don't you click around and figure out if it'd be legal for us to put out stock? (laughs) An IPO, an Armstrong and Getty, an A&G IPO. Get in on the ground floor, folks. I hear it's going to (laughs) skyrocket. I think you've just violated several (laughs) SEC things right there. Meh. Your name's on the stock, isn't it? Nah. <laughs> Technicality. Armstrong and Getty.